sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Muna Sheikh Omar and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. This week, I am once again with you narrating this story. I consider this story, honestly, to be a love story for all of those who consider themselves seekers of knowledge, students of knowledge, and those who are aspiring to become students of knowledge. Her journey, what she has went through, is honestly not only motivating, but really healing. And as the resident student of knowledge, Though there are many in TDS, I was asked to narrate this one, and who am I to say no? So without further ado, please enjoy the story. Mariama was born and raised in Canada. For majority of her childhood, she grew up in Vancouver and Edmonton, and then later on moved to Toronto. She grew up as the eldest daughter of six kids with a single mom, which meant that Automatically, by default, she was the chief executive officer of the house. But at school, Marima was known as the quiet, smart girl. And she had a keen love for learning languages. I remember my best friend being this Korean girl who had just come from Korea. Yeah. And we bonded over her food. <laughs> we bonded over her food. Um, I had My other best friend was, was Pakistani. You know, the school's filled, especially for, you know, in, in Edmonton mm-hmm. and also in Vancouver. There's a very big population of uh, East Asian kids. Mm-hmm. So I had that influence as well. 
was one of the only Muslim girls in school. But that never really bothered me. Mm -hmm. When I came to to Toronto, I realized, wow, (laughs) there's... I was missing out. Yep, yep. <laughs> Subhanallah. That's when I really got connected with my Somali roots. Yeah. I got more cl- closer to the deen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was like, it shouldn't be a culture shock, but it was mm-hmm. to be amongst my own people, mm-hmm. you know, and amongst people who looked like me. It's the summer right before senior year of high school. And Mariama is in her peak senioritis. You know, that special laziness that hits senior year where the only cure to it is graduating. And her mother comes to her with an idea. All I wanted to do was sleep and catch (laughs) up on my shows. Yep. And, you know, eat to my heart's desire. And just because we're heading for senior year, and that's not easy. No. We all know that. Um, But Hoy had, mom had different plans. And she was like, you know what? There's this course that I heard about. It's starting in the summer. It's at Al Huda. I don't know mm. if anyone's heard of Al Huda. Shout out to Al Huda. We've talked about Al Huda a few times in mm-hmm. season one. Yeah. That a few people have actually joined Al Huda. Al Huda mm-hmm. is is a place to go when wanting to learn your deen mm-hmm. on a practical level mm-hmm. in the West, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people have gone, how do I learn my religion? Do I have to move to Egypt? And I think what makes them so special is that they're really they're catering to women. It's yeah. it's for women by women. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really had that. It's come. It's now becoming more like we're bringing that back and mm-hmm. we're, we're really pushing that forward. But back then, oh, like nine, eight years ago, that was, they were, I think, the only, yeah. the only institute that was really pushing that narrative. Alhamdulillah. So I went um, to that uh, course. It was a tafsir course. My mom was like, we're going to do it together. Mm. I think that's what really, you know, I had it just been me being pushed forward. Yeah. I probably would have found a way out of it. (laughs) (laughs) So your mom was like, let me hold you accountable by going doing it with you. Yeah, let's support each other. And if we don't like it, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to find something else. I didn't know what I was signing up for. I just knew I was doing it because my mom was doing it with me and we're going to figure it out, right? And when I... Enter those doors is when I realized, oh, oh my God, what am I getting into myself? What did I sign up for? Why did I say yes? Because <laughs> I see all these sisters who have their kitabs and it, it's a serious environment all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. This is not a summer school with the summer programs that we're used to. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. These these girls were in uniform. The teachers mm-hmm. were in uniform, a different color. So you knew yeah. that they were like the teachers. They mm-hmm. were TAs. Yeah, there like, was, <laughs> it's a whole, it's very organized. So there's people with their pristine black abayas, mm. people with colored hijabs. Everyone has a very calm sense to them when they walk, like as yeah. if they're floating almost. Yeah. yeah, I looked up, I took one look at them and I was like, I was like starstruck. I was like, wow. And I was shocked at how little I knew, first of all. Um, it it smacks you in the head, Wallahi. Oh, Everybody yes. remembers the moment where you realize you don't know nothing. Oh my God. You're di- <laughs> you didn't inherit your religion. I hate mm-hmm. to break it to you. I mean, well, you did. Mm-hmm. You are Muslim, but in mm-hmm. the sense that you didn't inherit the knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of a misconception. Like, it's... I think because we're born Muslim, we just think we know everything. We don't. We, don't. we really don't. I know. And it couldn't have come at a greater time that, you know, as teenagers, we're very cocky. We're confident. Oh my we think God. We got it. <laughs> yep, and yeah. that and that humbling is it's a it's an important one. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a vital one mm-hmm. that changes the course of your life after if yeah. it, if, if if understood it properly. But well, yeah. tell me about that humbling experience. Oh, poof! <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had an assessment. Yeah, and they said, "Come sit down." 
they opened anywhere they wanted. And I remember it was Surat Al-Kahf. Mm. And I could not get through without stumbling. <laughs> oh my, you're like, I know this. I was like, this is something they should be reading anyways every Friday. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> she opened another surah to, as if that was going to help make it better. It got worse. <laughs> <laughs> so like how did you like how did you did, did it burn yeah, when you realized yeah I was like I'm sorry if, if I don't if I'm not accepted it's okay <laughs> I was like this skin, you know 16 year old I was like oh, this is absolutely atrocious any one of us who hates assessments can relate I personally can relate even things that I knew I would start to forget the minute someone puts it in an assessment however despite all her stumblings Miriam was able to pass the test she passed. She was accepted. So was her mom. And they went and got their uniforms and came to school ready to learn. And little did Miriamma know that she was just about to embark on a journey that would allow her to fall deeply in love with Arabic. For the first time in my life, I understood word for word what Al-Fatiha meant. And, you know, being able to stand in Salah finally and actually understand and say ameen intentionally oh my god and just like subhanallah how al-fatiha embodies our day-to-day life how it embodies our tawakkal on allah when we say only on you we rely on and only on you we trust and the fact that everyone's saying it how she said you know that everyone is in line with you and we we start with it because it, it really is just how we you know we live our life tawakkal on, on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that on you we trust and on you we, we rely on only. And it brought me to tears. I was like, subhanAllah, this is, this is something that I say all the time. And yet I never, you know, took the time to under, understand it. And that was only the beginning. Those Fatiha was only the beginning. Then came Surah Al-Baqarah. We started with that. Um, hearing the story of Bani Israel. She would talk about the blessings that they were given. And, you know, the, the many struggles that they went through and how they overcame Fir'aun and it was a story. I was enjoying it. I felt like it was a history class as well. At the same mm. time, you learn so much, you know? You learn the context of these verses that we just read. Not only understanding it, but understanding the historical context of it as well. Really just, it's a game changer. So that when you are standing in prayer, all of this, it's like it's like a storybook going through your head. Like you see, as if I can see the sea parting and then Bani mm. Israel going through the water and then that, you know, coming, that ocean, that sea coming into to close in again on Fir'aun and can you imagine food coming from the sky subhanallah like you just it's a visual like now you have a visual representation subhanallah and it is something else I remember uh, after having taken the first juz after taking the first chapter of Baqarah Ramadan came and I was going to stop taking the course of course because of senior high but Alhamdulillah, I think that it came to a culmination for me where I could stand in Salah and I I, I was following along from Fatiha to the first juz. Mm-hmm. I was following along in a way that I had never been. Like, you could poke me <laughs> and I would not know. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on in, around me. Like, mm-hmm. it was as if I had closed in on myself and it was just me and, and God at that moment, subhanAllah. And that's why I realized, like, we are doing such an injustice to ourselves, oh. to our children. Not Absolutely. being able to understand what Allah wants to say to you. And mind you, I still don't know how to speak Arabic, but I can understand it now. I can understand a portion of the Quran. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what it would be if I can understand everything? Cover to cover. Cover to cover. If I can speak it, if I can take a book, open it, if I can fluently write it and mm-hmm. communicate. Like this is 
it really hit me then that this is the way that God meant for me mm-hmm. to understand him, mm-hmm. right? And I hadn't been doing that for, for my whole life up until now. Mariema was hooked. It was a summer teenage love of a different kind and on a grander scale. She finally found something that she loved to study. But life was calling. His senior year, she went back to school. And after graduating, at 19, Mariema sat with the same questions we all sit with. What should I do for school? There was no mentors around her. She was the oldest. She was the first one to do this. There were so many questions she was grappling with. Should she go to university? What sort of career should she have? What sort of job? How is she going to support her mom? But luckily, once again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent her mom to tell her something she was not expecting. I want to take you all to Egypt. Oh, <laughs> your mom said, you know what? I'm leaving the West and I'm taking you to the, 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 the place of knowledge. <laughs> She's like, I think that it has a lot to offer us, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. You know, of course, being able to study Arabic in depth. Of course, you know, being able to now pursue Islamic studies. But just reconnecting with our Islamic roots, hearing the adhan, mm-hmm. um, you know, being amongst fellow Muslims. So she was like making great plans and I was like all for it. I was like, this is going to be great because I was, you know, already uncertain. So if my mom is kind of, you know, proposing this, I think this is amazing. And as life happens, <laughs> there was something personal that came up and that was completely shut down. So as soon as the idea came up, it was it was not possible, subhanAllah. And I remember my mom telling me, Mariama, she sat me down. And I remember it was like after we had breakfast and she's like, I know you want to go, but I, I, I don't think we can go as a family. So I can't mm-hmm. take your sisters and, and your brother and, and myself, but I think you should still go. Wow. Yeah. She's like, you should go. Take the gap year that you wanted and, and you know, really pursue this. Go well, study Arabic. And I'll support you. And I'll support you. And I was like, oh. Wow. But how? <laughs> Myself? SubhanAllah. <laughs> like, it was, the idea was bizarre. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I know I've got your blessings, but the logistics weren't making sense for me. <laughs> you, you were know? like, I'm going to go off by myself. <laughs> figure it out. You're going to be a phone call away, but anything can happen in between. Yeah. Uh, and you want me to just, like, the land is west. <laughs> just go <laughs> and find out. Yeah. Your mom had a lot of trust. She had a lot of trust. Oh, subhanAllah. I look back and I was like, could I have said the same thing to my own, yeah, my own kid? She's amazing. <laughs> the prospect of going to another country in which she did not speak the language frightened Mariama. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يكلف الله نفساً إلا وسعها. Allah does not burden a soul with more than it could handle. And he knew Mariama would need some support. So her aunt, who also took the Al-Huda class, suddenly decided that she also wanted to take her family to Egypt. With her mind at ease, Mariama begins to pack and get ready for Egypt with her mom. And before long, they are at the airport saying goodbye. It was late November, I can still remember. And it was all nine of us. <laughs> all nine of you guys. All nine of us, yeah. Inshallah. All nine of us. We were not a small number. Oh. So all nine of us boarded that plane. I remember saying goodbye to my mom. And I got so emotional. 
I don't know why I'm crying. Guess <laughs> <laughs> why everybody cries on this podcast. So it's I, this is the prerequisite. But tell me about that, like, final goodbye. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> there has to be a bug in this room. <laughs> what is he implanted into the room? I need to know. Guys, Jonathan just came in and gave her tissues. This is the brand. This is, this, everybody knows. Welcome to TDS. This yeah. tissue is ready. Jonathan's ready. We're all just, you know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was painful because you're the oldest and... <laughs> Why am I making you cry? <laughs> I'm gonna need yeah. your passive tissue too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was. There was a lot of. It was bittersweet, but you know, I felt a lot of guilt leaving. To be honest, yeah. Like, I know I was my mom's support, and you know, I think it was hard for her too. Even though she didn't show it, she was extremely happy for me, and I. I felt sorry leaving. Yeah, there's a lot of guilt attached to that when you're um. The only support of your a single single parent household, right? So I was like, oh, I don't know how Hoy is going to fare, but it's going to be just for here and I'm going to come back. So, yeah, we said our goodbyes. I was the only one crying. <laughs> I think if she had cried, I would have probably come back home. <laughs> and she You would have just it. ripped up the passport. You would have said, oh, you know yeah. what? I can't do this. I think she knew. She knew. So She had to be strong. She had to. So, alhamdulillah. She was like, it's only for a year. You're doing this for yourself. You should be happy. You're going to come back and teach us, inshallah. This is for the greater good. It really is. And I was like, okay. So I went, you know, a lot more at peace with myself. And we boarded the plane. Everything was completely fine uh, in terms of, you know, immigration and, and all that. And I can remember the gush of sand that just hit me in the face <laughs> oh my god you had a final goodbye and then you get hit with, <laughs> with the sand, the, sand. the air was so thick and wow. heavy like i found it hard to breathe really <laughs> i don't know why i think i don't know if it's just me but i think a lot of sisters were, will agree it is a whole different like you, you feel like <laughs> it's a different air pressure that you're yeah. in yeah i think it was the pollution it was it had to be the pollution i i knew we, were, we all looked took one look at each other and we're like, ooh, we're here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here. We're here. Yeah, we're, we're officially landed. Yeah, may Allah be making it easy for us because <laughs> this is looking a little scary. It was loud. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Egyptians, may Allah bless them. Abby. They have all the character and all the sass. And all the personality. Mm, that we don't have. You Nobody. know, all little mousy Westerners <laughs> coming and they're like, Give me your luggage. <laughs> move, move yeah. out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's very like Russell. Bus- it's a, it's intimidating. Yeah, it's very intimidating. It's very intimidating. But so we were just like everyone was just silent. I remember we were just like, wow, this is a whole different world. <laughs> People operate differently. Even the speed at that they drive in was insane. The expectations I had of Egypt are so unrealistic. When we fr- when I was first coming, I was thinking it's going to be a page that's been ripped out of you know, a book from the companions or something. You know, people wearing their jilbab, their hijabs, and the men in the- their thobes, and Quran blasting everywhere, and the most beautiful character, and, and, you know, the way that people carry themselves. Like, I was, my expectations were, like, very, very high. Very <laughs> unrealistic. Hence the naivety, right? So I walk into the McDonald's, and I'm hearing Justin Bieber. No. Yes. Justin Bieber was bumping in Egypt? Justin Bieber was bumping on high. <laughs> Not just a beeper at McDonald's. First of all, that actually that would shock me. Yeah, that, I would have. I would have. I like, gasped. I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> what? I thought I, can't. I I left this to hear it here. Oh, oh my, my god. god, it was. Yeah, our eyes were just like, what? Yeah. And I looked to my left, and of course, you know, young people are, are coming to eat at this place. 
Um, and the, the girl that was next to me was wearing Uggs. Oh, wow. But it's the desert. <laughs> it's not snowing. On. Why are you wearing Uggs? Is the question that I was going in my head. And I was like, wow, we're a global village. Yeah. You know, we, we went. And that's when I really realized, you know, like, you can really, really, you really can't run away from your our environments now. It's been, it's everywhere. So it's world pop culture. Everything yeah. is everywhere. Welcome to globalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then social media, of yeah. course, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I realized then and there that I couldn't rely on any place to be my source of Iman. Mm-hmm. You can't. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of us do when we say, oh, I'm going to go and make, we're going to go to Cairo or, or Egypt or, you know, Saudi or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. We're running away from, I think, accountability of ourselves. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Don't. You cannot let any place be your anchor when it comes to your Iman. That has to come from you, within you. Mariamma and her cousins began settling down in Egypt. Egypt is a city that never sleeps, beeping 24 hours. I feel like the national anthem really is the cars beeping. But it was time to get down to business. They were here to study. They registered at a school that was recommended by a relative, which was their only source of information at the time. And they got ready for the first day of school. I wake up so early <laughs> that it's crazy. Like, you shouldn't wake up that early. Is it because you were excited? I like, was excited. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. I, I was probably one of the first people to wake up. I had already been dressed, had eaten. The class starts at 8.30. But I was ready by 6.30. <laughs> you were like, this is my time. Mm-hmm. This is my day. Mm-hmm. You had your, your clothes laid out, but I, I, you might have just slept with your clothes ready to go the next Mm-hmm. But you were very excited, I was excited to start, to start yeah. this new chapter. It's what we had come for. I was ready and up. Mm. And alhamdulillah, we all went, all nine of us started on the same day. <laughs> Can you imagine on the street, yeah. nine people yeah. <laughs> with their backpacks? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mashallah. <laughs> Mashallah. Yeah, so we, we, we go in and they, uh, we of course, we have no background in Arabic. So we start at level one, mm-hmm. straight up level one. And we sit down and it's so humbling because you see people who are younger than you, much younger than you. Mm. I had a 10 year old in my class. Yeah. And here I am, my 19 year old self. There. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> we're 19, at the same level. Yeah, we're at the same level. <laughs> yeah. There's no shame in Alm. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. But there was also people much older than me. There was like 40 year olds. And as, again, you know, this is what's so beautiful about it is like we've all come for that same purpose. We want to learn Arabic yeah. so that we can, you know, understand Allah the way he, he meant for us to understand him. We come in and we know I don't know anything. No one knows anything. So she's doing a lot of charades. And that's the beauty of the first couple of levels. A lot of charades, a lot of hand gestures, a lot of drawing as yeah, well. Yeah, And, and she's speaking straight Arabic. She's not speaking English. Yeah, unless she really, really needs to and it's, it's going to get in the way of the class, then yeah. she might she might use a couple of words of English if yeah. she even knows. Yeah. Some people, some teachers won't know. Yeah. But alhamdulillah, she did. And yeah, she, the only thing I could understand was what was your name? Mm. And I said proudly, <laughs> Mariama. <laughs> <laughs> she asked another question and I stared at her like wide-eyed. Uh, and I uh, shook my head. I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's like, "Don't say I'm sorry. No English." <laughs> that was a bit of experience. Yeah. It was amazing. Yes. Marima stays at the school for four months. During those months, she grows from having to use charades for everything to learning vocabulary. But sadly, some devastating news occurs. The classroom they were at already starting with a small number of students 
became even smaller, which meant each student had to pay more. That was a financial commitment that they were not able to do. So Mariema and her cousins began looking for another school. The catch is there's no people that they know that they can talk to regarding other schools. So they decide to go the old school way. Really trying to network in the most, you know, the most basic ways, not yeah, really on wow. social media and You're stuff. You're doing it in the streets. Yeah, if we in saw the- somebody we, uh, that was had a backpack on, I'd be like, hey, sister. <laughs> <laughs> You're also like, do you- uh, I, just wanna, I have a question. Subhanallah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys were really like... We were just desperate. 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 How yeah. long? Like, so like, how did you find mm. your next... So subhanallah, that's going on. And there are a couple of brothers actually from Canada at the time. Um... But before we even got to connect with them, what happened was we got caught up in the middle of the second revolution. Oh, no. And that's when things really get intense. Oh, no. And in the, That was in the middle of it? Mm-hmm. We were there when it's happening. So 2000, I believe 2013 is when the second revolution happened. It was chaos. It was chaos. There was a lot of protesting. Mm-hmm. There was violence. Mm-hmm. There were... Um, what else? What else did you remember? There was seeing? a lot of fear of now, uh, you know, unsafe, safeness, safety became a problem now, right? Because yeah. you're you're a foreigner, mm-hmm. safety has to be number one if you're gonna if you're going to travel to any place, and if mm-hmm. that's jeopardized at any point of the at any point, mm-hmm. you know, you really need to start making considerations of going back. Yeah, and so we were we were very scared. Not to mention our visas were about to you know um, become expired. There was a lot. A lot that we needed to consider. And I remember phone calls after phone calls coming. Come back. Just come back. Don't take that risk. Come back before Mm -hmm. it gets any worse. And you know when you feel like, alhamdulillah, God gave me the opportunity. Allah gave me the tawfiq. And it being ripped from your hands Mm -hmm. before you even started. That is very, very, uh, you feel defeated in Mm -hmm. a way that I, I can't explain. How long were you already in Egypt at that point when the revolution started? I am, we had arrived in November of 2012, late November. So the revolution started around, I believe, April. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you weren't even there long. Yeah, it was months. It was months. It wasn't even a year. It wasn't even a year. And mm-hmm. there was already falling, the, 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 your, your pursuit was already crumbling. Are you, the pursuit already seemed like impossible. Very, yeah, very almost impossible. Not going to continue. That's what it felt like. SubhanAllah. And my mom, well, my mom was very worried. She's mm. like, can you just come back, please? You know, the whole time she's been supportive. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. And this one time she says, I think it's good to come back now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's safe anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that's her putting it lightly, you know. In, in other words, she's saying, please just come back. <laughs> I'm telling you, but not telling you. Come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was adamant. I was adamant. I said, you know, let's just wait it out. Why are we rushing? We're, we'll, we'll stay in our houses. I promise we'll stay at home. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to go out. My aunt, too, was, was very, very worried. But, yeah. you know, we told her as well. We None of us want to go back. Let's just stay. And, 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 and you know, we'll, inshallah, we'll see. If, if things get any worse than they are, then we're going to go back. But the media does make it worse than it always mm. is. I'll tell you that right Because it looked like from the news, mm-hmm. the place is going on. Under. Like it was, yeah. And, was uh, you know, fire. there was, um, you know, the prime ministers and the presidents were telling foreigners from their countries to return home, mm-hmm. you know, because of how yeah. unstable and uncertain it was. Yeah. And so I just remember a flood of people running back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, I remember, there's a lot of people who were being picked up mm-hmm. um, from their home airports mm-hmm. uh, coming back from Egypt, alhamdulillah. But yeah. nobody knew if this was going to end tomorrow but that's or thing. it was going to go on for years. Yeah. Nobody could tell. It's the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I, I think if, if people knew this was going to be just for three, four months, no one would have left. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, I'm just going to 
to get out of the house yeah. and wait. But alhamdulillah, we I think having a united front from our, you know from the kids on our end, we told our parents, let's just wait it out and we'll see. Like you know, we can we can book a ticket at any second. But I mm-hmm. think coming back is going to be harder mm-hmm. if we all leave. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean it's. For nine people to come here is definitely not an easy financial. No, it wasn't. You know, it was not financially yeah. easy. And the processes might be different because nobody knew who's going to be uh, who's going to run the country. Yeah, and uh, bringing it would have been a lot process to come back. Nobody knew. Yeah. It was very uncertain yeah, if you would be able to come in anytime soon. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? So Alhamdulillah, we eased we eased their worry and we told them that we wouldn't leave. We didn't have anywhere to go anyways because our our institute had been clo- uh, had stopped. Like we'd stopped going there. And we watched just like the rest of the world or on the news. We we would see things like, you know, people's bodies being burnt or oh, subhanallah. subhanallah or the masjid, people being shot, yeah. you know, women and, and men. And it was a shock just to, as, to everybody, as to us, you know, because we're watching from our screens just like everybody else. So when people called, we'd, we'd tell them, hey, we actually don't know what's going on. So whatever mm-hmm. you're seeing is apparently what's going on. But it's it was really quiet in our neighborhood and we didn't see any violence. So it was mm-hmm. only... It was only secluded to certain areas of, of, of Cairo. It wasn't rampant all over, alhamdulillah. And I think that that was something that was a blessing. Because had it been rampant, then that would have been, yeah. you know, a serious uh, breach of safety. But alhamdulillah, uh, we stayed in our home. It was summer and extremely swelteringly hot. I had never experienced a summer like that in my life. And there was no air conditioner. So nine people in you know, the, the three-bedroom apartment with no AC. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. That's, it's already making me hot thinking about it. Uh-uh. Yeah. It yeah. was so hot that you'd put your water bottle down. Yeah. And you'd wake up, like, well, cold. You yeah. just filled it cold. You put it, you set it aside on your bed. You wake up and you could, if you had taken a shower with that water, it would be completely comfortable. Like, that's how hot the water had become. Wow. Yeah. Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sleeping was hard. <laughs> I Thinking was very was hard. restless. <laughs> Thinking. Even breathing sometimes. <laughs> Everything felt like you feel like a slug at that at that moment, subhanAllah, because your body's not used to it. It's not accustomed to it. Yeah. And you'd see the other Egyptians working in that heat, mm-hmm. building or going you know, going about their day, going to school. And here we were like like just lying. <laughs> Like, we couldn't move. Moving was energy that I didn't have. <laughs> I want to take a moment to talk about an app that has sponsored this episode. It's Sanam's. If you're searching for a Muslim partner who shares your values and core beliefs, or maybe you moved to a new city and you're in search of sisterhood, you're in search of Muslims in your vicinity to connect with, you know, maybe some sisters that you want to do a Quran circle with, Salams is the app for you. With over 3.5 million Muslims who've signed up globally, all with the same mind of trying to find somebody, Salams has made it easy for you to search, build, and find a relationship that's based on the foundations of Islam, from friendship to the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all the way to finding the right partner for marriage. This app is vital. It's also free, easy, and safe to use, with options such as text chat, voice messages, personalized filters, viewing your profile stats, and an anti-ghost tool too. Give Salams a try by heading to salams.app.link backslash podcast and download it today. That's salams, S-A-L-A-M-S, dot app, A-P-P, dot L-I-N-K backslash 
T-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to download today. The revolution ended and calm was restored back into Egyptian society. Mariama and her cousins continued their pursuit of a new school. They got a tip from a Canadian brother about a school called Kelime. And he told them, don't look anywhere else. That is the place to go. So they did. They went to check it out. And they fell in love with the school. Unlike the other school, Kelime was known for its high caliber of education and how it supported its students. So Mariema was ecstatic to get started. The first day, this is when I really truly felt like the first day. Compared to the other institute, these, this feeling was absolutely different. It was a f- classroom full of girls, 15 of us. Mm-hmm. Again, differing in all ages. But from all over the world, I saw a diversity that I'd never seen in my life. We had sisters from countries that I'd never heard of. Yeah. That first day, I remember walking in and looking at the sea of sisters and you have, I can't tell where they're from, but I can see, mashallah, we're from different, different countries. Uh, Like you can see sisters speaking in Russian from what I could uh, could make out. I saw sisters speaking in French. Some, Some sisters were speaking in English. Some sisters were speaking in a language I couldn't even put a a finger on. And this is just me (laughs) upon walking in, right? So the class hasn't even started, but everyone came early, clearly, because I thought I was on time. (laughs) So alhamdulillah, it's it's the first level, and I know people are are, are excited. So that diligency really is there. So people do come on time. Alhamdulillah. So I walk in, and we start introducing ourselves, and the teacher is running late. That happens a lot in Egypt. <laughs> the teacher's running late, which gives us a time to introduce ourselves. Some of us are, are only speaking in Arabic. And that was the beautiful part. I, I realized, I looked into the room and I was like, we're all, most of us are only communicating in Arabic. And it was, I, you know, when you think about sisterhood, yeah. and Islam, mm-hmm. and the ayah of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he says, you know, we've created you into nations and, and tribes. Right? So that you may, we've created you into nations and tribes so that you may know each other, so that you can recognize each other. That's when I really saw, I was like, subhanAllah, this is, this is Islam. This is what it is. It was amazing. It I was can just amazing. imagine the picture of it. Yeah. Just going and just imagine everyone speaking bare languages, okay? Yeah. Different languages, different backgrounds, different reasons why they're all here, but all yeah. of the same is just to either worship Allah better, mm-hmm. to understand Him like the way He wants to be understood. Mm-hmm. And everyone has that pursuit because like we all been to first year, first Mm -hmm. day of university, first day of high school. Mm -hmm. We're all here. Mm -hmm. You meet people with different backgrounds, different economic standpoints, different, Mm -hmm. you know, languages and cultures. But you're all Mm -hmm. learning here to learn like a curriculum that you have to learn in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. But it's different when people are going on their own free will, Mm -hmm. coming here, you know, to learn, to essentially learn who Allah SWT is, you know. Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah. And, you know, just to add on to that. You know, the, you know, we we, talk, we always talk about this equality of, of Islam and how we're all one in the sight of God. And you see people of differing ages. There was people who were much younger than us and people who were much older than us. People who had established careers. People who, who were students like us, you know, just here and, and not having much. But there was people who had financially, mashallah, very stable. And you see all these different, as you said, social socioeconomic statuses and, you know, lived experiences. And, but we're all here and we're all on the same level. Yeah. And we're all students and there's no difference between us in that. In that in bounds, that regard. in that classroom, we are all the same. SubhanAllah, I, I always thought I was someone who had been, you know, someone who had been well-educated. And while we are, I think there's something that is beautiful about living that, living an experience where it's beyond a textbook. It was the first time I'd learned about 
French sisters and the plight of the Muslims in France. Mm. Before then, I had absolutely no idea what was At going the time, on it wasn't a thing. Too much yeah. of a thing. Like it is now. Now The it's, media's caught up now. The media's caught up. We, we've caught up to yeah. what was going on over there, but yeah. we didn't know. But French sisters, I'm sure, already been knowing. This is, was, this yeah. is 2014, 13 yeah. we're talking about, yeah. right? And it was very much a part of their life. And I got to hear it from them firsthand, from them. And, you know, it goes back to letting people tell their stories from their own from their own their own mouths like because that's their that's their their narrative subhanallah so i got to you know become very close with a couple of french sisters and hearing about their their struggles of simply just wanting to wear the hijab simply wow. wanting and it's interesting cuz you know they would say we have you know we're not proud to be french as mm. as much as much as you might be proud to be canadian we're not proud to be french even though the you know, france you know, says that they say liberty, right? Mm-hmm. And fraternity or something, that fraternity. Like they, 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 the whole French society is based on brotherhood and liberty mm-hmm. to do what you want. But mm-hmm. that's not afforded for them. That's not allowed for them. Mm-hmm. So they're like, so what, what, what if my French identity has accepted who I am? How mm-hmm. do I embrace that? You know? Mm-hmm. So there was a disconnect in them. And that's why a lot of them wanted to do hijrah, because just completely, like, we're not going back. Yeah. And I got to hear that firsthand and I was, crazy like because i i love i love where i'm born and i love where i'm raised and i couldn't imagine what it would feel like to be just born and raised in france and then hate it yeah to the depths of your heart yeah. that's that's a bit scary it is a bit scary and i realized subhanallah and i spoke to sisters from kyrgyzstan tajikistan uzbekistan i had never heard of these countries mind wow. you again they're their uh, stories of how they're persecuted, they can't even wear hijab. I remember one sister who said, you know, when I graduate, I will not be able to take my books with me because they don't even know I'm here. I shouldn't even be here. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, subhanAllah. Look at the great lengths that they're going. The great lengths they are going through. And here I was complaining about the summer heat. <laughs> like, you know how... Not the fan, the, the fan. The fan. <laughs> I felt so small. Yeah. And I knew I had so much to learn from these sisters. And it, yeah, you you really you really gain a perspective that you would have never. I think that's the beauty of travel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just beyond, we're, even if we're not talking about Islamically here, going to study Arabic. Like if you go to any country, you're going to gain a perspective that you wouldn't have, a worldview, an openness. You're you become more kind and softer and and more empathetic. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was that was the beginning, and I can tell you confidently that that was the highlight of my whole journey in, in, in Egypt. It was the highlight. That one year and a half, we started in level one um, and we ended in level 15. And wow, was, mashallah. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It, <laughs> if I could do it all over again, I would. Mm-hmm. If I could relive that starting that first day, as I mentioned to you with that sea of sisters, mm-hmm. getting to know about different countries, yeah, I would relive it over again and again and again. Mariama completes her Kalima journey, and after finishing the 15th level, she realizes that she's just not ready to go home yet. Her Qur'an teacher suggests Al-Azhar University to her. This was the first time that she has ever heard of Al-Azhar University, despite being in the country for two years. Al-Azhar University is one of the most prestigious and oldest universities, and many times when people head to Egypt, they are heading to pursue a degree within Al-Azhar University. Our Qur'an teacher decides that he was going to help them go through the entire process of application from A to Z. A process, if I may say, 
is meant to test your limits. It's a headache. It really is. I can't imagine having done that by myself because, alhamdulillah, you, you need to have someone who knows the in and outs of where to go, who to talk to. And so starting from getting our blood drawn to see if we're, if we're healthy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's serious. <laughs> oh, my God. Why, why mm. is that a thing? Yeah, because you're, you're an international student. Oh, they don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and that question, like the question you just asked, is because yeah. I don't think you've ever been in Have you been an international student? I've never been an international student. Yeah, so it's actually a thing. Even if you were to go to like Japan or like... Oh, they still get your blood drawn. You have to get, you have to get a medical health checkup. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I you didn't know, know that. I mean? So we need to, we needed to do that. I've heard of it when traveling. Like going mm. to certain countries, you, mm-hmm. you do something, but I never knew getting into a whole university. Mm-hmm. I thought you would have done it at the airport <laughs> before you even got in the country. But it's interesting to see that, you know, it's part of the admissions process. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, yeah. for It's a part of the admissions process, getting your blood drawn, checking if you're healthy, if you don't have any uh, hepatitis and these weird mm-hmm. other, you know, diseases, uh, subhanAllah. So it's just to check if you're healthy and that you're, you'll be capable to continue your studies. We did that. You have to go get a... Um, a letter from the embassy. And there's a lot of other things like that that you have to do that is don't end in one day. You have to go again and again and again wow. and again. So it was like almost a month process of going back and forth. Wow. Getting this stamped, getting this signature from somebody. And they <laughs> that's the thing with um, Egypt. There's one person responsible for one signature. Just one signature. One signature. Yeah. So you have to go to these dozens of people who are in different parts of the city to get that signature. To get that stamp and signature, yeah. You can't get it from one multiple people. It's not in one building. If it yeah. was one building, I'd understand, but like multiple places, so and it gets all. it easily gets challenging. So, yeah. So I would. So I would. You say that that's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a journey yeah. to see if you're made. If you're made to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because you need a lot of patience. You do, yeah. And yeah. you don't. Sometimes these people are on breaks when they shouldn't be oh. on a break. <laughs> like subhanallah, you run into all sorts of. Oh, things no. that really test your patience. Like, how bad do you want it? Yeah, is a question that you're a- you're asking yourself every single day. How bad do I want it? Do I really want to go through this? Yeah. If this is just a admissions process, what can I expect? You know, moving forward, that is a reality. So that's something that I asked myself, and I didn't even you know shoulder the 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 bulk of it because we were getting help. Right, I was just tagging along. I had my passport and I was tagging along and this person was helping us. So I can't imagine if someone is doing this by themselves. Oh my God. That is Allahu Akbar. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Because it's definitely, it's, it's a rocky road. In order to be accepted by Al-Azhar University, each student must have a high school diploma from a high school that teaches the Al-Azhar curriculum. If they don't, they are required to go through something called Baruth, which is a preparatory school. Maryam, and like many other foreigners, go through this school in order to enter Al-Azhar University. But the amount of time that you spend in preparatory school is decided by the results of your proficiency exams. Proficiency in Arabic, and proficiency in Islamic studies. We're talking about university caliber, so the exams are not easy at all. And there is a lot riding on them. If you don't do well on these exams, you could be spending up to four, five extra years in the preparatory school before you enter university. Maryam was nervous, but she said, Bismillah, took her exam, waited patiently, and finally, results day rolled around. I was so sick to my stomach 
<laughs> I refused to eat breakfast that day. I was like, I'm not, I can't, I can't eat. My whole future <laughs> is going to be handed <laughs> to me over a platter. <laughs> There's no way I can eat. Um, and I, I, that morning was such a blur because I, I don't even know what I did because of the amount of nerves I had. I got ready as quickly as I could and we hopped on the bus and there's this bus called the 80 that everyone knows about. It's like the most strategic. It takes the most strategic route in that it, it passes through every single school. So it goes oh, to the wow. girls campus and Mashallah. the boys campus. Uh, it goes to a variety of different schools. So it you will not find that bus not full. It's basically the magic school bus. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a magic school and, bus. And there's no there's no capacity limit. Okay, you know how here we have there's enough people yeah. in the bus now. No, there's no such thing. Don't like, tell me people hang on the side of the, people the bus. People are hanging on the side of the oh, bus. Oh, subhanAllah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. Imagine just hanging off on the side of the bus and yeah. you have your backpack on. Yeah. That, that, and you're that just hoping a, not to fall off on the side of the bus. Yeah, that was my first time seeing that and my jaw <laughs> dropped. Like, no way am I taking this, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's already so much to deal with. We took the bus. It wasn't that packed that day, alhamdulillah. And I got off and the sea of students, it was a sight to be seen. SubhanAllah. If Kalima, a room full of girls, had amazed me, you can imagine my absolute shock. People were in their cultural outfits. You had Mal- I could see Malaysians and Indonesians and Nigerians and Pakistanis and Indians and just a sea of students all with their same books that I had in my hand and their backpacks. And it was, it, I'd honestly gave me so much hope like i'm not doing this alone there are people who came all over the world with their own lived experiences and their own stories and we're all doing this together subhanallah and i i truly these are the moments that i always felt islam you know there was a wall that had the results on they do this old school (laughs) there's no computerized or anything they do this old school and your name is fully there by the way there's no student numbers your name your country and where you've been placed Wow. So it's like for every if whoever knows you will know. <laughs> Everybody was crowded over that. The sea of students, everyone crowding, everyone wanting to to look at the results and it was just chaos. It was pure chaos. Some people cheering and some people you can see vividly and my heart breaks for them. Oh my god. <laughs> I can imagine how they must have felt. But subhanallah, um <laughs> I kind of pushed through the crowd. And the problem was now, how do I find my name? There's just, there's a walls, walls and walls of papers. And I think that added to my anxiety. I couldn't find my name. I was like, do they not mark it? SubhanAllah. So looking through my name, I just, the strategy that I had was look for Canada because there's not, a, there was, I think, just two of us. I looked for Canada. There were so many students from Burkina Faso and Nigeria and China, Lomabatic. And finally seeing my name in the middle of that paper, I can I can remember, and seeing where I placed, and just everything just became quiet. Everything became quiet, and I just stood there silent, out of sheer happiness. Alhamdulillah, I placed in the sixth year, which is what a lot of people want. Well, everybody wants, and I don't know. I was there, happy, and at the same time, you know, you know, some people didn't place where they wanted to place. And so you're like, am I celebrating at the expense of my brothers and sisters? So it was, you know, kind of in this <sighs> very difficult position to not, to be happy for myself, but also kind of mourning with the, the students that I could visibly see who were upset. 
Mariema placed into the last year of prep school, which meant she only had to study for one year, and if she passes her finals exam, she'd be able to enter university. So Mariema put her head down, studied with her tutor, and finally sat her final exams. She did so well on her exams that she was offered a scholarship to live in the dorms, which she took with excitement. You know, I had this romanticized vision of what it was going to look like. We're going to be up at night mm. studying together, talking about each other's lives, talking in Arabic. That excited mm. me the most. Mm-hmm. Being able to actually use, you know, what I'd been learning so far with people who are just like me. Um, it made the path seem less lonely. And I grabbed that opportunity. I said, I'm going. I didn't do any research. So it was kind of like going in blind, blindfolded. I, I didn't feel like I needed any research. It, was, it seemed like a, a golden opportunity, right? Who would say no? That's what, what it seemed like. And, it, and at that time, I packed all my bags. Alhamdulillah. I remember first day, as I bring my luggages, I see a friend, a friend who had been in the preparatory school with me. She's from Senegal. And she took one look at me and she said, what are you doing here? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? She's like, you're living here? I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to try it out. And I was excited. She mm-hmm. could tell. But something about her, and she, we're very, like, we were close. So I know she wanted good for me, but I could see worry on her face. Now that I look, I think back at it, it there was worry in her face. Like, she was worried. <laughs> the walls of the dormitory if I can describe how it looks just a little bit it was like it it was like from a movie subhanallah it was like from a movie the 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 walls were this gray and faded almost white color you could tell the place was very old I think what made me laugh both out of shock and surprise was the, the stray cats that were running around the hallway in the bathrooms Everyone had their own room, but the hallway was communal. The hallway in the kitchen and the bathroom, of course. And you could see cats just pretty much everywhere. So everywhere? <laughs> everywhere, yeah. There was cats. There was mothers and little kittens. It was cute. But I was like, wow. wow. Why are they here? <laughs> <laughs> are, they, are they in the program with you? <laughs> Did they do the exam, maybe? <laughs> it was funny. Like, and no one cared. I was just the only one who was like... Very, very shocked. And, you know, but I remember going in to my room and there was my roommate. She was from Thailand. And just as much as I was surprised to see her, she was surprised to see me. (laughs) I don't think they told her that she was getting a roommate. Oh, yeah. And I was told later on that your whole process of getting into the dorms was very quick. Usually it takes months to process that. Oh, so I mean, for me, it, it seemed like normal. Like, I don't know what more, how long that process could have been kind of prolonged. But alhamdulillah, um, I had a roommate for the first time in my life who I barely understood. Um, She had just come to the country. She had just come to the country. So her her Arabic, she was still learning it. She didn't know English. And so it was was humbling to see like, okay, we're going back to charades and the things that I used to do. (laughs) Alhamdulillah. (laughs) Ashallah. Yeah. But those, those, that year that I was in the dormitory was easily the most challenging year easily the most it was uh it was something subhanallah it was a a very steep learning curve and one that I wasn't prepared for and I think that's what really took me off guard um we did not have any washer machines 
Mm. So people washed their clothes by hand. And that was new for me. I yeah. had never done that. You I can, can imagine. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. The first week, I remember taking my clothes and going in with the rest of the girls when they were doing their clothing so that I could kind of watch how they did it. I was extremely shy to ask, hey, can you help me with my clothes? Like, yeah. that sounded very, very <laughs> odd. Very odd and yeah. very, like, where have you been? Yeah. And subhanAllah, I, I realized, like, how the things that were... Uh, normal yeah, to you. Uh, normal, yeah, normal to me were very... There were things that I had taken for granted as well. Mm-hmm. And so I easily was the odd one out. I didn't know how to very, you know, very much take care of myself all of a sudden. How do I wash my clothes? I remember that first time I washed my clothes, the water went cold on me because I had been in there for so long. SubhanAllah. And for sure, that the first two months probably, my clothes were not the cleanest. I can say oh, that. Oh, was... <laughs> Yeah, it was. It oh, was no. SubhanAllah. And so here I was planning for the most mundane thing. Like today, I'm going to take out three hours to wash my clothes. Like no one wow. does that. No one does that where I'm from at least. But people were. And this, it was a normal part of their life. And I was the only one who was struggling. I was the only, truly the only one when I look back that was really learning this from the very beginning. Um, and that first couple of times where I would take my clothes, you'd had to hang it from your window. Mm-hmm. So we had a window and then we had a, a line, a laundry line. And so you would put your clothes there. I lost many clothes because I wasn't doing it properly and no one told me. What do you mean? You have, So you have to hang, hang your clothes and you have to pin them. But there's a certain way to pin them so that they don't go flying. Oh, and, no. Yeah. And your clothes went flying. Many times. And I would come downstairs. We'd oh. go to the front and we had a, we had, because this is the girls' dormitory, we had a security. Security man would be sitting in the front because there's mm. no actual doors. I don't know if I mentioned this. Like doors in the front door the of the building? F- yeah, the front door of the building. So you walked in. You Anybody could walk in, but there's obviously a security There's a there. security man for that reason. Oh, so they, but what about your dorm? Is oh. there a door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every- Does it lock? Of course. Okay. I'm yeah. But so basically, the, the building is was a co- so basically everything was a common area. Like you can walk, you could have access mm-hmm. to all places, but except your your except room. your room. Yeah. Oh, so hence that, why we have cats that are just oh, walking in and out. That's why Do you there's understand? cats. Yes, that's why there's cats. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But you know what? It made it even more challenging because the fact that there was no doors meant that air was coming in. Cold air would come in at night. Oh. Yeah, it was amazing in the summer. Mm-hmm. But in the winter, it made it for a very challenging. I, I mean, you wore a jacket. You remember wearing a jacket. Yeah, I would Egypt. wear a jacket to bed. Subhanallah. Yeah, some of us are going wearing a jacket outside, but here I was wearing a jacket to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I had, oh, no. you know, layers and layers of clothes because they also did not allow any sort of heating because they were afraid that something would, like would happen, you know. Catch on fire. Exactly. Which happens it happens. Yeah. It happens. It did happen. I heard stories while it was there. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes it even more challenging for the students that are meant to stay there, right? Yeah. How, are, how are people supposed to stay warm? SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. So, there were just many challenges like that. That Did you see interesting ways how people stayed warm? Like, did you see interesting things that people did to survive? Everyone just had, on their bed, they'd have, like, three comforters. They'd be wearing a jacket. Wow. And probably, like, other, another four layers of clothing. And... Yeah, we wore shoes in the in the dorms, both wow. in the room and then outside. You had like outside 
for where the common area area was, you would wear outside shoes, and then inside your own room, you'd be wearing shoes as well, because that's how cold it got in in the winter. Um, but yeah, so challenges like these, challenges like these, uh, going along with that, because of the fact that they're afraid that something will happen in terms of like electricity or someone burning, they didn't have stoves either. So everyone kind of cooked with this one pot, electric pot or electric, yeah, electric pot. So you'd plug it in and then you do your cooking and then plug it out. But there was no actual stove that they had. <laughs> yeah, they t- I'm, yeah. I'm actually so jaw-jabbed right now. Like, this is... Yeah. How do you expect to, like, le- learn if you're worried about surviving? <laughs> like, no, but that's the thing. You actually saying that makes me... It, it, it just makes sense because that's how I felt. But these girls it was did normal. not. And that's why my friend, I, I realized a month in, this is what she meant. What are you doing here? Because <laughs> she oh, knew. She's like, you would not cut it here. You are not meant for this. She was, gonna, she was warning you. She was warning me. And I, I didn't take it. She, it was in a, very inexplicitly. So I was like, what are you talking about? Of course I'm here. SubhanAllah. <laughs> but yeah, these challenges, you know, kind of, I was learning very much day by day, the very hard way. And living on the sixth floor, of course, people in Egypt, we don't drink the, the tap water. Mm-hmm. It's not sanitary enough. Even though Egyptians do drink it, but by and large, the foreign population, like students who are there, we don't drink it. We buy bottled water. Mm. But having been on the sixth floor, they placed me on the sixth floor. Each floor has two flights of stairs. It was... <laughs> I'm, I'm floored. Mm-hmm. Imagine grocery shopping all yeah. the way up. Yeah, yeah. So it really meant I had to be strategic. I had to really plan out when am I buying my water? When am I buying my food? Because I can't be going back and forth up. If I come in, there's no way I'm coming back down only <laughs> only to go back up another 12 flight of stairs. It gets easily exhausting. So I had to be very, you know, plan out my week. It made me someone who was very, um, you know, aware of their time, aware of what was needed to be done, when it needed to be done. I was waking up at a certain time so that I could fit in time to, you know, wash my own clothing and make my own food because that also was time consuming with one pot you know can you imagine fitting that all now in with the first year of university studies which was its whole own ordeal i was i don't even know what to say (laughs) it was so challenging it was so challenging and it came at a time where you know some of the support that i had from family had gone because they went back to canada and the sisters that I had met in the program, the 15-month program, were all go- gone as well. And I truly felt alone. It was the first time I felt alone, even though it was in a dormitory full of sisters, of girls. I felt alone. I really did. And subhanAllah. Can you describe your your toughest day? Hmm. What happened? Like, what was the day that was like, you said, did nothing could go worse than today? <laughs> today. Yeah, yeah. It came around exam time. And I think I had been bottling it up. I had been bottling bottling all of it up, especially with having started university and it not being up to the expectations that I had. I came in again with my very utopic expectations as I, I had this whole journey, <laughs> only for it to be burst. I wanted to be best friends with my teachers, you know, make a very intimate connection with them. These were the women that I would be relying on and they would be the role model that I would be having. I wanted to have very, you know, close relationships with my students. Well, not with my students, 
with my peers, the sisters that I'd be studying with for the next four years. And I just realized the first day that I came in, not only did I have nowhere to sit, I realized, yes, I realized that there was thousands of us and I was going to be just another number. Mm. And yeah, it, it, it was a shock because that's not what I wanted. But it was also naive of me to think this is an academic setting. This was a university just like any other. But because of the fact that we were studying Islam and it was these were students of knowledge, I somehow pictured something else. I did. And that first day coming in and not finding anywhere to sit was interesting. I, I ended up sitting on the concrete floor to take my lesson. And it wasn't just me. It was many sisters who had come in. The early bird really takes the worm. You had to come those sisters had those sisters mm. had to have come early to have gotten that seat. So they, you learned the game that day. Mm, I really did. I really did. And keep in mind, here I am in the dorm. I'm traveling yeah. from the dorms to the university. And fast forward to now what you asked me, it's around the summertime. Exams are coming up. I've been in the dorms for about nine, nine months now, eight, nine months. And I guess I had just been bottling everything up. And I remember coming back from that last day before the first exam. And the heat was so, it was swelteringly hot. It was about like 47 degrees. And yet when the wind hit me, where it should be soothing and, and feel nice, I actually was shaking. I felt cold. And that's when I thought, something's not right. Something's mm. not right. Why am I cold? And the bus came late that day. It came almost an hour late because the university is a bit farther from where the dormitory is. And I just, under that heat, feeling cold, I hadn't had breakfast that morning because I rushed out because I was scared I wouldn't get a seat. So I just rushed out. And there I was. I, I don't know what happened, but I was, my consciousness was coming in and out and I was dizzy and I was by myself. That could have easily been a very dangerous situation. SubhanAllah. I grabbed some water. There was a, a, a snack shack right behind me. I went and I grabbed some water. And from there on, the journey from the bus stop from where I was all the way to the university, from, from the university all the way to the, the dormitory was, is about 50 minutes in what? heavy, in oh heavy traffic. Almost an hour. Yeah, with traffic because it's, it's the time, it's, mm -hmm. I told you, traffic in Cairo is worse, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's worse than anything else. Um, and that's the rush hour time when people are all coming from school. And you're lucky if you get a bus that's decently not so full. I got on the bus and I was losing energy so quickly to the point where I had been standing and I begged someone, can you let me sit down? I don't feel well. And they let me, alhamdulillah. And I sat down and I was like, how am I going to get back? How am I going to get back up those 12 stairs? Okay, here. Yeah, subhanAllah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I realized I didn't have food at home. And these are all just basic things. I'm like, oh, I did not plan out. I'm not as strategic I was. I was blaming myself. It's like, it's been nine months. How did you not see this not coming? How are you not prepared? And yeah, so ugh, 
the bus gets fuller and fuller and I don't have the energy to tell people to move out of my way and I'm wondering what's wrong with me I, I actually don't know what's go going on but I, if I think about it now I think it was just having bottled in all those difficulties I think the disappointment and the uncertainty of if I did I make the right choice is this what I really want anymore because I wasn't liking what I, I had been seeing I wanted perfection to be honest and that was wrong on my part but as someone who had very high expectations and all of that coming to the floor and making the choice to be in the dormitory and not not exactly being happy I was one who put I was the one who put myself in all of these situations that I was now found finding it difficult to bear with and I think that's what really ate at me no one forced me to be here I was the one who, who had come here subhanallah so Alhamdulillah, by the time it's my turn to get off, the bus empties and I don't know how I got off, but I did safely without bumping into anybody or without falling off. And you really have to tell Egyptians to really stop the bus because they will not. The bus will slowly be moving and you just hop off. It's it's normal procedure. But I told him, please stop. I cannot get off. You need to stop right now. And he stopped and I saw my friend. I had a friend. She was... She's half Norwegian, half Egyptian, but she was, she is considered a foreigner. So she was in the dormitory with us and she saw me and she said, you don't look okay. You don't look okay. What's going on? And I didn't know what's going on and I didn't know how to explain it. And I, I, I think, ugh, I think had I said there was something wrong, it, it would have really settled in. Yeah, there is, I'm not feeling well or I'm struggling sometimes at that, at that time of my life. Not not explaining myself or not, you know, letting people know how I was how I was really doing, made me feel like I was stronger. And I think that actually does the opposite. And I told her I'm fine. I think it's just fatigue. And I go up those stairs, and the fan is on. I remember my roommate shockingly looking at me. It's a it's a very hot day, and yet I tell her, "Can you please take off the fan?" <laughs> what sane person does that? Subhanallah. And. There was half a tuna sandwich that I that I had had from the night before, and I ate it, and I went to bed. I went to bed, or tried to go to bed, and things just escalated from there. I had hot sweats, um, and I was shivering. Um, I, I still don't know what it was that day. I never went to a doctor, but I think it was something like a very, very bad virus. Um, and that night... I also realized as a, my fever is raging, there's no Tylenol. None of our roommates had Tylenol. So I slept through it, subhanAllah. And that's when I really started to break down, when I realized that I wanted water, and yet I only had, what, half a liter of water left to my name. And SubhanAllah. Yeah. And that's when I really just, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an, usually an emotional person. That's changed over the years. But... At that moment, I just let it all out. And I was like, Ya Allah, I don't know what is wrong with me. I don't know what I'm doing and why I'm here. <laughs> and I, I think it was a combination of feeling alone. It, I, when I explain the story, it's not just the fact that, I mean, water, you can get water, you can get food. I think it was just a combination of the disappointments that I had seen one after another, the loneliness that I had felt in that nine months. I think the struggle of learning a whole Life, new lifestyle and all of it just became too too overwhelming to bear 
and I just started crying and my roommates were were very shocked because I was the one was a bubbly person. I was the one who made schedules for us to clean our room and this was just unwarranted almost like it just came out of nowhere. But I was tired. I think I was deeply tired and I had my body was telling, "Hey, I need I need a break from everything that you've been putting me through emotionally and physically." And it felt so good to let it all out <laughs> and not explain what was going on to anybody. Just mm. I let it all out. And the next morning, subhanAllah, as I begin to dress up and life goes on, you have to take care of yourself because no one's taking care of you. And that's one thing. I think what also made me so emotional was, you know, in your most vulnerable moments, there's always someone there for you mm-hmm. that you don't even have to explain yourself to what you need. And mm-hmm. realizing that that was something that I no longer had, mm-hmm. it really broke me. SubhanAllah. To have someone to take care of you in your sickness, there's no blessing like it. And uh, that morning I, I dressed up and was getting ready to go about my life, get the things that I needed and continue. There was no break. And a small knock came and it was my friend. And she had soup in her hand. You knocked on your door? You had soup. Mashallah. Yeah, it's like she knew. <laughs> it's like, I know you're not feeling well. You're not saying anything. Take the soup. <laughs> it, was just, it was soup, but it felt like the biggest blessing. Like, back to the idea of, of having the blessing of someone take care of you. And you don't have to. We have that. How our moms take care of us All or the, the people. Yeah. yeah. Like, you never have to tell your mom, mom, I need this. They're just there. They know. So that was so nice, subhanAllah. And I told her, I was like, you know me so well. <laughs> she was the only friend I could speak to English and as well, in English as well. Out of the whole building, she was the only friend that I could really, really speak to. And that's one thing. Even if you learn a foreign language, there's nothing like the language that you grew up speaking, that you know. feels like home. You know, when you speak Arabic or any other language that you learn, you always feel like you have to, you're you're forcing for the words to come out or... But I didn't have to explain. I don't have to explain myself in English in the, the way that I have to explain myself in Arabic. So, subhanAllah, that was, that, was one, that was one of the things that I will always remember, her kindness. And I always mention it to her. And she says, stop. I don't see what's the big deal. <laughs> and I say, it is a big deal. Being there for your brother. Oh, my gosh. SubhanAllah. And I, I remember, I always remember when I think of her, that the, the goodness that you that you re- that you sow will, that will, will always you'll reap it so subhanallah that was she's until this day she's one of the friends that i always i keep up with and she, we're, we're truly friends for the sake of allah um and that was the my time in the dormitory after i think two months alhamdulillah i moved out actually I moved out because there was a curfew. I had gotten adjusted with the, the, the lifestyle, the harsh, the harsher lifestyle, in my opinion. For some people, this was completely normal. Uh, but I wanted to do more, and it was limiting me. I wanted to be able to take classes outside of the, the, the dormitory or at a time where I had to be back at the dormitory because there was a um, curfew. There was an 8.30 p.m. curfew, and that's very, very early in Egypt because we don't even pray 
sometimes until maybe nine or so it's still pretty pretty early and they don't sleep Egyptians don't sleep <laughs> so I, I never understood it but again that was one of the reasons that I left I needed a lot more freedom to be able to seek resources outside of the university because my my needs were not being met I wanted to supplement my 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 learning that I was doing at the university and uh curfew was was limiting that and I also got a little tired to be honest I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that I learned a lot but I think I knew that it was getting in the way of of also my my happiness in a sense um, I can take care of myself now. If you throw me in the desert, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it really built that like it uh, built, yeah. Like nothing can you know, like yeah. you know what it feels like to be in the gutter. Like <laughs> you know, and nothing is like a shock subhanallah. Yeah, nothing's a shock now. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. And then the second year comes and the third year comes and the fourth year, and all of it becomes very familiar. It becomes easier and easier as time passes by. Alhamdulillah. Um, and it quickly comes to an end. <laughs> that, that fourth, that four-year journey comes to an end. As quickly as it started, it ended. Subhanallah. Wow. And I graduate in the year of twenty twenty, and we're in the thick of the pandemic. And I know for a fact now that I'm coming back because I realize I've been gone for too long now. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom misses you. <laughs> yeah, boy misses me. <laughs> Subhanallah. They never had a graduation for us. Aww. Because of the pandemic, they yeah. made that a little later. They usually have it later anyways, but it was it was not decided if they were even going to do it. Had they said that we're going to do it, I would have probably delayed my my return. But not knowing when that would take place and with, you know, corona getting worse and worse, I didn't want to be stuck. So I ended up coming back home as soon as possible, right after I finished my last exams. But we were so sad. I remember when we wrote that last exam and all of us, a lot of us sisters have been together for so long now. And we looked at each other and there was a sadness, like I'm never going to see you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, um, it was subhanAllah. It was something knowing that, wow, we have to decide what we're going to do. And some of us are going to leave. Those, some of those sisters stayed behind to do their masters. But we knew a lot of us were calling this at the end of our journey or at the end of our time in Egypt. And we handed in our last papers and we stayed back. As much of us, a lot of us stayed back, alhamdulillah. And we took a picture, one last picture. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a ritual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone was standing in a line and we took pictures and everyone was hugging themselves. And already the questions of what are you going to do next? But we hadn't even passed, like, no one knew the results hadn't come out. And yet, you know, subhanAllah, after having done this for so long, everyone was confident that they had passed. Yeah. Everyone was confident. What are you doing? What are you, are you going to continue on? And talks of the future and so bright-eyed, well, I, bright and beautiful sisters, alhamdulillah. Some of them have very different, you know, life stories. I know a sister from Indonesia, she said, I want to stay for my master's, but I know I can't because I've been gone from my mom for so long. And she comes first. Now she definitely has to come first. Even though I've had her blessings, I have to go back and take care of her because I'm her only, she's the only, like, the daughter. She doesn't have any other child know. other than, than this girl. And I told her, yeah, go back. Please go back. Life is short. 
and you can continue on you know you can continue on especially in those countries they have so many opportunities alhamdulillah but it was just all of seeing and hearing what now sisters were going to do and having such deep talks in arabic wow i was just going to ask are you guys doing this in arabic in arabic in wow like that like yeah. that is such a sight to see mm-hmm. everyone came in not knowing mm-hmm. a lick in arabic yeah. and then by the end of the course you guys are talking about your dreams and aspirations dreams and in aspirations. arabic yeah in arabic subhanallah yeah. the language allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose yeah you know yeah subhanallah and even making jokes in egyptian <laughs> Just out of curiosity, yeah. what were some of the dreams? Some of the dreams were, subhanAllah, I know one sister said that she wanted to be a university professor. Ooh. She was like, I'm staying. I'm seeing this through. And Mashallah. I was like, you do this for us. Yeah, <laughs> yes. A lot of us can't. Yeah. Some of them were, a lot of them stayed to do their master's and then they'll do their PhD in maybe Turkey mm-hmm. or Malaysia. Mm. That was the plan for a lot of them. A lot of them said that they're going to go back and serve the community that had raised them. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So this, this, the high school that she graduated from is the high school she was going to go back to and teach. Wow. And I said, it comes full circle. Subhanallah. And it came back full circle for Maryam too. She went back home and she sat and thought about what are the ways that I can contribute back to my community what can I do with this opportunity and this gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to me? And she came up with an idea. I realized how how important social media was mm-hmm. and how online learning was really taking off at that time with coronavirus. Absolutely. And I saw an opportunity there. I really did. And I saw an opportunity to not only serve sisters in Canada, potentially, but all over the world. And I said, we're starting something. We are going to start an online institute. <laughs> you just you just woke up one day and said, I'm going to do an online yeah, institute. Yeah, this, this, this conversation is happening in my mom's masala with myself. There's no one there with me. So I'm just thinking, what can I do? And I, I don't know how, subhanAllah. And it was as if it was inspiration from Allah. I truly, truly believe it was. The name of what I wanted to start. What was the name? Wasiya. <laughs> Wasiya. What does it mean? Wasiya is, Wasiya means a will. Mm. It means a will. It comes in the Quran many times as, you know, that parting will of as you leave this world, what are the few, the last words that you, you give to people that you love or the people that are around you or the, potentially the world? And I want Wasiya <laughs> to be my parting will to the world. Mm. That when I leave, this is something that will be, you know, it will be a forever thing that it will, it, people will remember, you by, remember me by it. In that this mission is to empower sisters to learn the Arabic language and to really just tell them that they can dream. Because, you know, subhanAllah, the stories that we see kind of shape our understanding of ourselves, how far we can dream, what is possible for us, because of the fact you can see it out there, it reflects in yourself that, hey, maybe I can do the same thing. Maybe it's possible for me. And that's what I wanted we'll see it to be. And I thought, having it online would be the best in that it would reach the most amount of people. And subhanAllah, once the idea settled in, the name at the same time came at that very that very moment while I was having that silent conversation with myself in my mom's musalla in her prayer room. And I knew I had to start it. It would not leave me. I would wake up thinking about it. I would sleep thinking about it. It, it mm. was as if subhanAllah, I knew there was a, there was a purpose behind yeah, it. Yeah, it's Allah's inspiration. 
Absolutely. Yeah. When it's like, you, it's every minute. Like yeah. you can't like, it's yeah. like almost badgering. Yeah. You just know something. <laughs> you have I to do it. Yeah. Something weird. Like, and, and, it's, and, it, and it takes over your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Would you say it like takes over your thoughts? It really did take over about. me. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about the details. I haven't even started it. And I hear <laughs> I'm thinking about details, how I want to start it. You know, what is the, the, the idea going to be? The, the mission? All these things. And as soon as I, I decide I'm doing this, I pray to rakaz of istikhara and I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm alone and I'm by myself, but, you know, Allah will provide and people, the right people will come along to help. And even if one person benefits, I think job done. Job done, because that's all that matters. Well, see, Institute opened its doors for students in 2020 and is still teaching till today. This story is an example of how pursuing knowledge opens doors for you. Just the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love of his words can lead you to transform your entire life. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said, Akhi, lan tanala al-ilma illa bi sittatin. My brother, you will not gain knowledge except with six. Sa'umbika am majmu'iha bi bayani. I'll inform you of them all together with clarity. Dhaka'un wa hirsun wa jtihadun wa bulgatun. Smartness, intellectual understanding, hirsun, effort, eagerness, keenness, ijtihadun, hard work, doing your best, wabulatun, sustenance, a budget, wasuhbatu ustadin, watulu zamani, and accompanying a teacher and a long period of time. You can tell from this story that all of those elements were present and Mariam's journey doesn't end there. There's no end to seeking knowledge. It's only growing. So start your journey today. And while we had Ustada Mariam, we wanted to ask her a couple more questions to end it off. What is your biggest dream for Wasiya? My biggest dream for Wasiya? Oh my God. <laughs> my biggest dream for Wasiya is to have a team of sisters mm. where we're all teaching the Arabic language and hundreds of students are attending here. And we have our students who finished, who have come back to serve oh. in the Institute. Allahu Akbar. Oh. Imagine, imagine imagine alumni coming yes. back. Yes. And they, oh, that's so beautiful. Because you know what it is? Mm-hmm. It's like... Uh, Oh my God, it's beautiful. Because like it's, it's beautiful to see a teacher who was where you were in the same program. Yeah. And it, sh- and it gives you an idea of where you'll end up. You know, like it's yeah. a beautiful um, thing to reflect on. But I, yeah. oh my God. May Allah SWT make you successful, Mariamma. I mean. May Allah allow your dream to come true. I mean. I and I know and after this episode, you're going to get a hell of a lot of students. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> get out with, and I hope at that point when this comes out, inshallah, you'll have um, some teachers, inshallah. You'll inshallah. be able to take more students. Inshallah. Um, and I just want to ask you, and this is uh, this is my second last question before, mm-hmm. what 99 name of Allah SWT do you think of most? Um, I think of Al-Wasi'a. <laughs> mm. I think of Allah, the way he opened doors. Doors that I didn't even know existed. The way that, subhanAllah, he, in his 
infinite mercy and ability, the way he, subhanAllah, took care of me in my lowest moments and kept on pushing me forward. Like, no, there's more out there. Keep on going. Keep on going. I know you don't see what's ahead of you. I know you don't see the end. And this might not all make sense, but it will, inshallah. And I think one is hard. I would also say Al-Hakim, the wise. Because Wallahi, without his infinite wisdom, I probably wouldn't be here. It has been one journey, subhanAllah. It has been a journey. And I think now that I'm able to look back and see exactly why these things took place for me to be here, it was his infinite wisdom. It was his infinite wisdom. And I think relying on that. And that's that's something, you know, especially when you're out there seeking knowledge or just maybe in any part of your life, it's hard because you, you, you're in the dark and you don't know. And you just have to rely on Al-Hakim. You have to rely on Allah to guide you to the best and that he is looking out for you. And all these puzzle pieces that you can't see right now will come to make this very beautiful ending. And you'll only know once you get there. But it's pushing through to the end. And it doesn't ever happen without Allah. It's always with Allah. And yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reflection. Mm. For any stu- for any listener that's thinking about seeking knowledge, do it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, you can start at home. You can start where you are. Yeah. You can join with the Institute. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> You can, if you're an Arabic teacher, if you're a student, don't be afraid to start mm-hmm. your own institution, your own yes, classes. Like, yes. you know, don't because be afraid. I feel like everyone can bring something, Always. a different perspective, Always. a different methodology, a different way of teaching. What, advi- what advice would you have for the last advice? What advice do you have the students that are studying right now who are <sighs> at, in Egypt or right now just studying anywhere in the world yeah. who are like really thinking this is really hard? Yeah. What advice would you have for them? Uh, I would tell them. Your journey is your journey is your journey. It's not going to be perfect. And I think that's why I burst at the seams in my first year of university because I had placed upon everyone around me, my teachers, myself, my peers, this perfection that does not exist in, in the realm of seeking knowledge or in any or in any scope, subhanAllah. So have some grace with yourself and... In that perfection, there's a lot of learning that's taking place. I think when students of knowledge think about knowledge, or anybody thinks about knowledge, we just thinks about we just think about books or, you know, um, the texts that we're going to learn, the things that we're going to memorize. But there's a lot when when you say, "Ya Allah, teach me," He's teaching you, but not in the ways that you expect to be taught. And I think that's what took me off guard completely. My character was being reformed. My intentions were being tested. You have to be broken <laughs> to <laughs> be, yes, you have to really hit rock bottom sometimes. And so as you go through your difficulty, I want you to know that, A, you're not alone. We've been through it and, you know, we've, 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 we've gone through it and we're, we're at the end, alhamdulillah. And that you just need to continue on and remember that Allah is taking care of you and he's teaching you. So pay attention. What are you learning? Because there's a lot more that's happening outside of your classroom. And yes, <laughs> beautiful. Jazakallah khair to you, Mariama, for taking this journey and for sharing this journey with all of us. I am so honored that you got, like, you that you shared it. You didn't have to. And I just want to tell you, and may Allah bless you, and may Allah bless all that you do and all that your endeavors. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, may Allah accept it. 
from you. I mean, and make it a heavy weight. Everyone loves what I say is dua. Make it a heavy weight in your mizan. Allahumma ameen. This episode was brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Adr Mahmoud is our host. Inshallah, she will be back in the next episode. I'm your producer, Muna Shah Omar. This episode was recorded at MH Studios Toronto, and our recording engineer is Jonathan Lilo. If you're in the Toronto area and you're looking for a studio, that's the only place you should go. Our producer in training is Naima Harun. Our graphic designer is Wasima Farah. And our marketing extraordinaire is Sosan Abdullahi. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will see you next time, inshallah, in your ears, in your speakers, telling you a good story.